everybody's like, what's wrong with Colin? What's wrong with Jacob? Like that dude's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we probably are in ways. Well, <laughs> sure. Today we are talking about culture shock and reverse culture shock. Um, so welcome to Uncultured Swine. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, this is, um, if you go in ill-prepared uh, for something like this, it can just multiply the frustration and confusion and and anxiety. So it's one that I don't know. I don't personally hear a whole lot of people necessarily talk about. And once I found myself in circles where it was being talked about more, it made so much more sense. You know, why I was going through the things I was going through. I wasn't losing my mind. It is a part of the process. And so, yeah. 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 So I think it's important that we start by kind of defining what culture shock is. Mm. Um, so like, so Jacob, what is culture shock? Tell me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, uh, in our last episode, I think I equated it to, you know, whatever the social and, and societal norms are that you find yourself surrounded in. And a lot of times you don't even realize that, you know, that's your culture until you find yourself in another culture that's different than yours. And it's, you know, all these things that you take for granted, um, that you just think about, you know, on autopilot, like how to get to a grocery store or even how to, you know, get the cheapest prices on your groceries. Mm-hmm. It, um, it, it now is no longer on autopilot and it's at the forefront of your mind and it's taking up a lot more of your processing power than it did before. Yeah. And, um, there's obviously a whole lot more to that, but I mean, that's just kind of surface level. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say like for some, it, it displays itself as like a general just disorientation mm-hmm. for others. It might be like anger, even at the culture that they're in. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I've had that at times. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it can be all sorts of things. I mean, there's not one, um, symptom in a sense of, of culture shock. There's many. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's what culture shock is, but there's, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen this before. Um, I know I sent you kind of a, an overview of what the culture shock graph looks like. Yeah. Um, I know that I've seen that so many times when people are talking about cross-cultural relationships and, and things like that. But, uh, for those of you that are just listening to this, because yeah, you're not going to be able to see the image by any means. Um, this is basically just a U curve graph that, uh, starts out kind of in this honeymoon stage. Um, but then it falls into what what would be the the culture shock culture shock phase, uh, which includes that like disorientation, frustration, anger. Um, but from there, it goes back up to a stage of adjustment and ultimately acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen that kind of used before in other contexts, Jacob? Oh, absolutely. And I would even say that it's very similar to something like a grief curve. Oh yeah, you know where you've you know your everything is great, and then you experience loss of some sort Mm -hmm. and then that process of denial depression you know acceptance and then actually being able to function again on the other side yeah so i would say you know it as far as shapes go it's probably Mm -hmm. very similar yeah yeah no that makes sense I, i definitely could see that so for you would you say that you've experienced this this curve, this this uh, culture shock curve of sorts, starting with that like honeymoon yeah. stage. Can you say that you ever had that honeymoon stage? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's always fun and exciting to uh, experience new things. I mean, I think uh, 
most people would say that anyway, whether it's a new relationship or a new apartment, a new job, you know, there's that excitement of the unknown and something being new. Um, and as you know, you've got here the honeymoon phase where, you know, you don't really see any of the negative. You don't feel any of the negative because it's all too easy to just gloss over it in the excitement mm. of the new. Um, and it's funny, you know, not funny, but I guess just having gone through it a number of times, like you see it in other people as they're adjusting to new life somewhere. And, um, it's just very easy. It gets easier and easier to identify. So again, hopefully us being able to talk about these things will help yeah. anybody else who's going through that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you've helped. I mean, you, you've actually seen lots of people go through these processes and, and you've kind mm -hmm. of, I mean, I would say you've kind of helped me even in this process in <laughs> ways. Um, right. But, uh, but you've kind of walked along with, with a lot of people uh, along, alongside just because you've you've gone through it. Mm -hmm. um, so you have that ability to, to walk alongside others who haven't. Yeah. Um, so that's, I think you have a unique uh, kind of perspective on that. But yeah, I, I remember when I first, because um, about five years ago, I lived in Jordan for a year. When I first got to Jordan, honestly, everything was like, it was just so different and cool. Like I loved yeah. it. And I'm someone, honestly, I'm someone that just naturally thrives on change and difference. So I think I, I had this huge excitement um, and, and to be clear, everyone's cultural shock and, and culture shock doesn't look the same. Like yeah. it's not for the same reasons. It's not, yeah. um, it doesn't always happen at the same times. Some people say after three months, three weeks, I mean, it's also, it, it can be any set amount of time. There's no, like, there's no system that works for everyone or, right. or formula that works for every single person. But, uh, but for me, I was really excited probably for the first few months. And uh, I think what hit me the most wasn't necessarily the different culture or like the different way of having to to do things because I enjoyed that aspect, but it was like the inability to communicate was yeah. was such a like that was what hit me and just I realized like man I can't I can't talk to people I can't communicate what I I need even just in the supermarket like <laughs> I don't even know what this is I remember one day I went to grab some uh, <laughs> this is just a dumb story but I went to grab some groceries for a friend um, it was his birthday and we were gonna make this special meal from his country he's from Holland and they asked me to go to the store and get a cucumber and lettuce mm -hmm. so I I still had no idea what the words for those things were so I went to the store anyways I show up at the shop grab a cucumber grab some lettuce come back. <laughs> Turns out that I grabbed a zucchini and some yeah. cabbage. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just like those little things that that just hit me. And it's like, man, I, I wanted to make this special for him, yeah. but I can't because I'm so limited. Um, and and that was really where it hit. I think over that, over the rest of the year, uh, it started to get better. I mean, as, as my language uh, improved, and again, not for everyone will it be a language-related issue, but just as these things, as we get more adjusted to them, as the curve says, mm -hmm. then then we kind of reach that stage ultimately of acceptance. And yeah. and I think by probably about six months in, I was able to get to that point. Mm -hmm. um, did you have, I mean, I know that you've lived a few different places, but especially here, like with Israel, you've been here again, like six months, did you say? So yeah, yeah. Where, where would you say you're currently at on this curve here? Well, I mean, the six month mark is usually the hardest for me as well. I mm. mean, that's usually where I'm at, you know, why did we do this? This was the biggest, this was the <laughs> worst decision we ever made. Like, <laughs> I'm never going to understand these people, this culture, this language, like, Give me the first plane out of here. Yeah. And I'm ready to go. Yeah. So that's um, how you're feeling right now? No, no. <laughs> so, yeah, like after, you know, this is, you know, uh, 
coming back now. So I, I don't know, I guess round two for me. Yeah. No, it makes uh, sense. it's a little different. There's definitely, mm. you know, light at the end of the tunnel. That light was, you know, <laughs> it, it popped up much sooner than, than it usually does yeah, yeah. on this round. Uh, but going, you know, if I could go back briefly to what you had mentioned, where it doesn't look the same for everybody that yeah. also, you know, yeah. has an impact on families. It's mm. very different or it can look very different for, you know, somebody with a family and kids, wife and kids mm. than somebody who's single. Yeah. And, you know, with kids, they say that um, parents are usually the last to transition to go through this phase. Like, because mm. I mean, if if the parent is worth, you know, their salt, you know, they're trying to make sure their kids are doing well, that their kids are adjusting. And then once the kids are seen to be OK, then parents, at least mentally, are like, OK, now I have some space for me to be able to process what's going on. Mm. What am I really going through what am i really experiencing and then they're able to finally uh go through the the process the the adjustment that they need to in order to thrive in their new culture yeah um so all of that to say i think for us now um we're we're doing much better than we were you know a few months ago yeah um and yeah. a lot of that has to do with you know our girls mm. you know they're two and a half um and for us, just getting them on a normal sleep schedule again was a game changer. Mm. So, I mean, we went, we jumped ahead, you know, eight hours in yeah. in time zones. So they had some pretty significant jet lag and they we just had them, you know, sleep trained and all of that <laughs> oh, stuff. Man. So it was a, a bit of a, a rough transition for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Would you say that you saw any of, um, I mean, with as young as your girls are, they it's hard to understand or know if they really understand what's going on. But would you <laughs> sure. say that you you saw any of these kind of uh, cultural differences were challenging for them as well? Yeah, I think for them, it was having to adjust to living in a big city. So, mm. you know, we moved out of the suburbs in the States and, you know, landed with Stephanie's parents in Jerusalem. Mm. And so Jerusalem's a major city compared to where, I mean, it is in and of itself, but especially from where we were coming from. And so the girls were used to us just opening the door and they would just go run around outside with, mm. you know, moderate, you know, supervision needed. Yeah, yeah. But in a major city, like, they couldn't do that. And especially with COVID, like, you know, it was always you have to hold our hand or you have to be in the stroller. And they didn't understand that because they were just coming into all of this newfound independence and freedom and they could walk and they could run. So why do I got to be contained? I mean, I'm just imagining this is yeah, what, yeah. what their thought <laughs> process was anyway. Yeah. You know, why do I got to be contained to mom or dad's hand or sitting in this stroller if I could be out running around? Yeah. But obviously they don't understand there's cars and there's, you know, people and they're little and they can't see them if you're in a car. And so yeah. it was those kind of things that they had a hard time adjusting mm -hmm. to in the beginning. Makes sense. And I assume they communicated all of this through uh, yeah. screaming. And, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, perfectly formed sentences. It was very yeah. easy for us to understand <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, what was, what they were going through. Yeah, no, that's definitely a challenge. Um, what would you say? I mean, I, I don't know if you can think of anything, but what would you say were some of the most shocking experiences not just here in Israel but in any any cross-cultural context that you've been in like were there things that just uh, instances or experiences that just really shocked you a lot and and kind of turned mm. around your feeling towards a place 
Yeah, I think I think culture shock can definitely be easier if you're moving to a place that has the same values that mm. you grew up with. Mm. Makes sense. And or it has the same um uh, I'm blanking on what it's called. Um, culturally, I mean, we know that there are honor shame cultures, mm, right, right, right. Which I think you see more in the East, yeah. And then you have right and wrong yeah, cultures that we see, yeah, that we see more in the West. Mm. Um, and so I think culture shock is definitely going to be more severe if you're making a jump from one of those mm. to the other. Mm-hmm. And so. For me, it was, I think, it also has to do specific. There are a lot of specifics. I mean, where you live, Mm. you know, one neighborhood might be better at this than another. But like, so where we live, for example, um, getting dents and scratches on your car are Mm -hmm. seen as just normal life. Mm. You know, that's just, it is what it is. And nobody leaves a note. Nobody says anything. It's just, nah, it's, it's life. Mm. and i was coming from you know if you hit somebody's car like the right thing to do is to leave a note hey sorry you know here's my name number let me write this wrong kind of thing yeah and so the fact that nobody did that when we were here (laughs) drove me insane yeah i was livid for yeah. A few weeks because it was something that i hadn't done like it wasn't my fault somebody else had done this to me and there was no attempt at making it right i was just left out of pocket so that was probably one of the biggest things in coming back this round that was really hard to adjust to yeah yeah and i remember one thing you mentioned to me i mean it's it's such a minor thing but it's honestly sometimes these minor things that can yeah they can add up a lot of minor things yeah but uh you mentioned like the just dog poop on the sidewalk yeah that too (laughs) Uh, like things like that or cars parking on the sidewalk like there, there's not yeah. the same understanding of like pedestrian space and vehicle space. It's right. just. <laughs> well, and, and it also changes when you're pushing a stroller. Like if I'm yeah. just on foot by myself, I don't care if somebody's parked on the sidewalk. Like I yeah. can easily go around. But if I'm pushing my kids in the stroller, yeah. then it's like, all right, I'm ready to, you know, I'm ready to <laughs> to fight. You know, why would somebody do this? Like they clearly had no consideration for parents mm-hmm. walking with their kids. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. And I think it kind of comes down to like some of culture shock really ultimately is our expectations versus what like happens in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are a lot of expectations we don't even know that we have. Like, I think for me here, I, I thought that because it's normal in the US to pick up your dog poop, it would be the same here. Mm-hmm. But but it's not the same. Right. I mean, they don't hold that same value. And it doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just a very different style of things. But to me, it immediately feels wrong because right. that's what I've grown up with. Yeah. Um, so I think those are the things that you have to like work through and process through. And um, yeah, it's those, it's just the dumb little things that add up. Yeah, no. And it, it does sound incredibly petty. Like when you, when you're looking back on it, mm-hmm. it's like, why would I get so mad and frustrated about this? But in the moment, cause it's not like, of course the rest of your day has gone on. And if you're a new immigrant somewhere, especially, mm-hmm. you know, you're usually working through, you know, all right, now I got to go translate my energy bill or I've got to go, you know, figure out where to pay to get my package from the post office mm-hmm. or it's, you know, there's a cascading, you know, effect here Yeah, that. So when you finally see that thing, whether it's, you know, somebody's 
dog crap on the sidewalk or somebody's parked on the road and now you have to push your stroller into the street mm -hmm. so that you can get around this car and keep going about your day um it it just it makes you snap yeah, <laughs> yeah if you're not like if you're again like if you're not aware that you know these things are normal it could be very easy to assume i'm losing my mind yeah why did we cut let's just go back mm. and a lot of people do because you know it's it's easier to mm. do that than to force yourself to integrate into a new culture and a new society yeah. um and i think here i i don't know what it's like for for other countries but i've heard that if you can survive the first five years mm -hmm. uh in israel then you you're pretty much good to go yeah. but those first five years are going to be probably the most challenging mm -hmm. where you're learning the healthcare system you're learning the politics how to vote where to vote um all the nuances and culture and language and social cues i mean it's a lot yeah yeah no it definitely seems like it um yeah, I remember one time in Jordan, actually, uh, when I was living there, and I've seen a lot of similarities. There's definitely a lot of differences between here and Jordan. Um, but uh, when I was living there, at least in the, the Jordanian Arab culture, it's quite common for, for men to, uh, to respond quite quickly to their friends uh, on mm. text. Okay. And for me, I'm, I'm kind of someone that maybe, I mean, sometimes, of course, I'll respond really quick. But, but if I don't respond to you for a day, it's not weird to me. Like, it's just like, I'll get around to it. Yeah. Um, but there, that was seen as highly offensive. So I, I made oh, friends man. with this one guy. And uh, basically, I, I didn't text him for half a day. And he got, he got really offended and uh, was super angry with me to the point that he wouldn't talk to me. And uh -huh. I met him at a shop that I, it was like a bakery that I really liked to go to. And uh, I almost like couldn't go back to that bakery because every time I went there, he would walk out of the store. He would just leave. <laughs> no way. Well, yeah. and now it's it's even worse because like people can see when you've read their text message. Yeah, it's yeah, not it like, is. oh man, I'm sorry. I never saw it. Like, no, you saw it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, those those things, like at the time, I had no idea what was going on. Mm. Like to me, I was thinking like, what? Yeah, how how is he so upset? Because that doesn't happen in my culture. But I yeah. didn't realize there was just such a, a cultural jump. Um, and I think honestly that uh, that kind of got me down quite a bit because mm -hmm. I was feeling pretty bad about myself. Like, man, somehow I've offended this guy so deeply yeah. and I had no idea what I did. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like those those little things just make you feel like like a kid again in a sense. Like I have, I have to fully learn something all over again. Like no, yeah, you're absolutely right. And that is another point about culture shock, depending on what culture you're going into. Like, if you don't know the language already before you make that move, like, you feel like a kid, everybody around you kind of, you know, I don't think if they have, you know, the nerve to, you know, actually say something to you about it. But like, you know, there is this unspoken thing, like, I can only have a, a certain level of connection with this person and it's probably going to be on like the kindergarten to first grade level yeah. connection because the language just isn't there yeah unless you just are stubborn and determined to communicate with somebody and you know the older you are the more difficult that is mm. to deal with i mean yeah. if you're you know in your 50s 60s or uh you know if you're a parent you know and you've lived life you know how to take care of and provide for your family but the society around you you know, it, it's hard for them to see that or understand that because, you know, you're not speaking the language and you're not able to share, you know, maybe mm -hmm. even some similar experiences that, you know, the local uh, community has. 
to mm-hmm. have that um, mutual respect. Yeah. And that that is a big deal as well. Yeah. And I think that kind of, honestly, it was that language barrier as well that even expanded the issue because I couldn't even apologize. Like, I didn't know how uh. yet to like say, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? It took me, I think it took me six more months before I could go back and and ask the guy for forgiveness wow. and say like, can, can you forgive me for this? Yeah. And then we were able to actually begin talking again. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just those little things that... Um, yeah, that, that becomes so challenging and bring you back to this place that that you don't realize, yeah, I have to learn learn everything all over again. Yeah. Like I have to learn how how people interact, how people talk. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, but I think there's beauty in it too. Like it's it can be a fun process once you get out of that culture stuff yes. shock phase. Yeah. Um and you start to enjoy the process. And I think that's what I did later in the year. Once I like once I was able to ask forgiveness of that man. Like it mm-hmm. felt like such a milestone. It's like, I'm actually able to communicate things and interact on a level that, that I can function in this culture. Like yeah. that was such a big, like such a joyful moment. I feel yeah. like, um, with, with all those negative moments before that. <laughs> right. I mean, you, yeah, you have to surrender a lot of pride and a lot of ego in this process. Mm. Cause you know, I, I know for me, you know, I was very hesitant to even try speaking the language mm. unless I felt like I was going to say it perfectly. Yeah. And yeah. I just started out like, how am I going to know this perfectly? <laughs> like when I yeah. think about it logically, it's like, what am I like? That makes no sense. Yeah. Um, And I, I guess getting to the point of being okay and feeling comfortable making the mistakes, I'm just mm-hmm. saying like, I'm going to sound like a moron Yeah. <laughs> and they might think I'm a moron and that's okay. Like I can't control what other people think or mm-hmm. say or do. All I can do is, you know, my part. Yeah. Um, that was a big turning point, uh, to just actually excelling in the language then, because once I was able to, you know, let go of that feeling of, you know, needing to say it all perfectly, like I was in my, my home country, mm-hmm. it, it, there's a lot of freedom in that. Yeah. Yeah. I think once you kind of embrace that, the fact that you're going to fail, that you're going to m- make mistakes yeah. and even the ability just to laugh at yourself through yep. the process, yep. like that makes such a difference. Yeah. Um, and I think the people that I've seen that do that well, even from the start, like their, their culture shock doesn't look nearly as bad yep. as those that, that are expecting them to, that are kind of expect themselves to get everything right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that that mindset in itself, it's hard to get to that place, but, but yep. if you're there, that, that just helps immensely in the process. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, but now we've talked about kind of this, this culture shock, but I think there's actually another aspect, um, that's, that's quite common among people that have lived for years overseas, um, or even short, sometimes it's just a few months can, can, can cause this, but there's this concept of like reverse culture shock. So before mm-hmm. we, we start talking about that, do you, do you have any way to, to quickly explain what reverse culture shock is? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, I, it, to me, it's, you know, when you flushed out so much of your home culture to embrace the culture you're living in now and to make your new place home, mm. and then you go back to that culture Mm-hmm. And you've almost forgotten how to live there. You think that, oh, yeah, I can mm-hmm. just switch automatically and naturally, and it's going to be this seamless process. Mm-hmm. But I remember coming back to grocery stores in the States after being overseas and just being white-knuckled on the shopping cart because, I, I don't know, it was just a lot of anxiety of, like, mm-hmm. there's an overabundance of everything in the States. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> 
you know, ranch dressing, for example, is hard to find in most mm. places outside the States. Yeah. In this in America, it's like there's a whole aisle dedicated to just ranch dressing. <laughs> you want bacon ranch, you want buttermilk ranch, you want light ranch, you want, you know, Hidden Valley, you want whatever brand lighthouse. Like it <laughs> there's it's endless. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it can be super overwhelming when you know you've adjusted to this culture where it's like you either have to make it yourself or you just live without it. Mm-hmm. And same thing with breakfast cereal. Like the the options of breakfast cereal are endless in yeah. America. And yeah. So, so yeah. You, you found yourself kind of uh, after, after your first experience overseas, was it? That you mm-hmm. came back and this was kind of an overwhelming or daunting oh, super, time going yeah. to the supermarket. Yeah, super overwhelming. Yeah. That, yeah, the supermarket specifically was... I think the biggest area, but, um, there's also an element to like, again, I, I'm American. So that's the, the culture context that I speak from the Mm -hmm. most, obviously, but you know, you grow up in the States with this very, I think, innocent and blind patriotism Mm -hmm. that you just are force fed. Yeah. And you know, if I could even be as bold as to say propaganda, that you mm-hmm. don't even realize you're buying into yeah. until you're overseas somewhere and you're forced to think a little more critically, a little more objectively yeah. about why the U.S. makes the decisions it does. Mm-hmm. And it starts to open your eyes and your mind more to what you know the bigger reality is. Mm-hmm. That when you go back, it was very difficult for me to connect with some of my friends yeah. and to have like this level of a conversation with them. I still don't know. If, if it would, uh, achieve what I was, I'm hoping it would, because again, like Americans are very on average, very patriotic, Mm -hmm. don't really see a whole lot of fault with the U S and how they do things. Yeah. Um, and if they've never left the U S then you're kind of stuck. You're you're just stuck in that. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's been, it's been a challenge even trying to relate back to my my friends in the States that may have never left mm-hmm. the U S or even if they have, you know, everybody, you know, they have their own thoughts and opinions and I don't know, it's, it is a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so easy as well, just to, when you're surrounded by like-minded people. And I think that's what happens in countries. I mean, that's why we create cultures and it's not, they're not all, there's good things that come from that. But when we're only in one space around people that have the same ideas, same thoughts as us, then we don't realize there's more sometimes. Yep. Uh, we don't realize there could be an alternative view that actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think that's something that that hit me a lot. Um, I was very, um, very strong-willed, strong-minded about my my thoughts, my opinions. And, and that kind of hit me when I went overseas. So yeah. realizing I can be wrong a lot. <laughs> and I am wrong a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably a lot more than I'd like to admit. <laughs> but um, But yeah, for me with reverse culture shock, I remember... Because I had spent a year as well in uh, in Africa, I was actually living on a, a ship that was uh, I was traveling around Africa, and while I was there, just seeing I mean, seeing the poverty of Africa is one thing, um, but but I think in the midst of that, seeing their joy and how how satisfied they are with with what they have, um, I think that's something I don't even see in the U.S., mm. uh, which was was shocking at the time to me. But then going directly from that back to the U.S. 
um, it actually made me, I kind of went through this reverse culture shock where I was angry at the US for for how much we have. Yeah. I was angry at us as Americans for like, why do we waste so much? Why do we, why don't we give back more? Yep. Um, and and that's, I'm, I'm not saying that's a good thing. That wasn't a good place to be in. Um, there are good things that I think uh, could have come from it. I mean, there, uh, there are good conversations I could have with people that could say, hey, look, there there is more. Uh, there is something that actually we could help <laughs> with yeah. overseas. Um, but in that time, I was just angry. And um, I think I convinced my parents even this was terrible. Like they were living in a house that, that I, I felt was too big <laughs> um, oh, as I returned back. And I like, I think I guilted them almost into to selling that house and trying oh, to buy wow. a smaller house. <laughs> and, and it's like, like I was just so rigid coming mm-hmm. back too. And I think that that was a part of that kind of curve of Absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't accept American culture again after I'd been, been out of it for yeah. at that point, like two, two and a half years. Um, it was so hard for me to adjust back. Um, and eventually I got there. I wasn't angry at everyone anymore. I still mm-hmm. hold some of those values that I learned overseas. It's not that I don't still think there's there's a lot that we can do and a lot that we can not waste or, or ways that we can give back as well. And I don't think that's just financial. I think that's a whole nother conversation though. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, there's so much that I've learned from that. But I learned that, yeah, the best approach isn't coming back and being angry, but I don't think I had a, a capacity not to be at the time. Um, I think that was just the process I was on. Yeah. Well, and and it it is a process Mm -hmm. and you have to allow yourself the space to be able to go through that Mm -hmm. and to, to really work through it. Because if you don't, you bottle it up or you explode and everybody's like, what's wrong with Colin? What's wrong with Jacob? Like that dude's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we probably are in ways. Honestly. Well, <laughs> sure, but uh, it, it is it is a very natural and normal process to yeah. go through. And yeah, again, if nobody's ever told you that, or if you've never experienced that, then again, it does just seem like it's, you know, like you're losing your mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you have any final thoughts on culture shock, reverse culture shock that you feel are worth uh, worth mentioning to the listeners? Oh man, I I don't know. I I think if you are going through any of those things that we've talked about today, just again, know that it is normal. Mm. You're not crazy. You're not, you know, um, it's going to be okay. There is an end to it, Mm -hmm. but it is a process. Sometimes you just have to ride it out. But um, if you can find people that you can talk through, like, you know, uh, very bluntly speak about these things with, then it'll help. Yeah. You know, then instead of just having to bottle it up mm-hmm. um, and not have anybody to talk to. So, yeah. And sometimes, like you're saying, just the understanding that it's normal yeah. just helps immensely yep. to know that, to know that, hey, like, if I knew at that time I'm feeling this anger because of reverse culture shock, even though I'd honestly been told about it. Yeah. I still just didn't equate it. I yeah. didn't realize the two were related, but maybe maybe you're going through that same thing right now. Maybe you're angry with your culture. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're just, or maybe you're overwhelmed, like, mm-hmm. like Jacob was talking, you were talking about. Um, at the supermarket, like just know that those things are, are normal. Those feelings are normal and it's not, it's not bad. You don't need to, there's no way that you're going to force yourself out of those feelings immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's just a process that we go on, uh, as we, yeah, as we go through these things, um, whether it's entering a new culture or stepping back into our own (laughs) after being out of it for so long. Well said. uh, But yeah, I think there's, there's so much more that could be said on this obviously, but, uh, but I think we'll, we'll call it good there for the day. All right. I think that's, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you. And, uh, goodbye.